This installment of Beethoven on Friday was recorded for release on August 6th, 2021. Greetings, this is Terry Noel Tal, and this is Beethoven on Friday, and this is an installment of Beethoven on Friday on which I will eat humble pie. Some of you will recall that a few installments back I played all of the music that Beethoven wrote for cello and piano and violin and piano. And I made the observation that he wrote no music for piano with other instruments. As my treasured friend Al Lisitsky pointed out to me politely, that statement was wrong. And the minute he said that to me, I knew that I was wrong. I had completely forgotten about the Horn Sonata, Opus 17, and its alternate version for cello, and Al reminded me about the music for flute and piano, and the music for mandolin and keyboard. I dismissed it as fluff. It isn't. It is. You can decide. But we're going to work our way through these pieces in, as has been my custom on these broadcasts, chronological order. The earliest such piece is the Trio Concertante in G major for flute, bassoon, and piano. This composition, which was written in Bonn sometime between 1786 and 1790, was dedicated to the von Westerholt Geisenbergs, a family of amateur musicians. The father played the bassoon, the son Wilhelm the flute, the daughter Maria Anna Wilhelmina the piano, and she certainly was one of Beethoven's piano students. The movements are Allegro, Adagio, a tema andante con variazioni, and then a reprise of the material presented in the opening Allegro. In this performance, Jean-Pierre Rampal is the flutist, Paul Orgne, the bassoonist, Robert Véron Lacroix is the pianist. Ludwig van Beethoven, the trio concertante in G major for flute, bassoon, and piano.
humble pie again. That is not fluff. Damn impressive piece of work for a young man someplace between 15 and 19 years of age. Ludwig van Beethoven, the trio concertante in G major for flute, bassoon, and piano. Jean-Pierre Rompal, flute, Paul Ogne, bassoon, Robert Veyron-Lacroix, piano. Next, we have a sonata in B-flat major for flute and piano. This is a somewhat problematical composition. In fact, there are those who challenge its authenticity. It turned up in a manuscript in a Berlin library about 1900 and was published duly as Beethoven's work. But there are those who have their doubts. If it is Beethoven, it was composed around 1790, towards the end of his days in Bonn, before he moved to Vienna. And that means when he was 19, going on 20. Remember, he didn't become 20 until mid-December of 1790. Once again, the flutist is Jean-Pierre Rompal, and the pianist is Robert Veyron-Lacroix, and it's unusual, this sonata, in yet another way. It's in four movements rather than the customary three. It opens with an allegro moderato, which is followed by a polonaise, then comes a largo, and the sonata concludes with a movement marked Allegretto Molto Convenazione, whatever that means. Ludwig van Beethoven, the sonata in B-flat major for flute and piano. Jean-Pierre Rompal, Robert Véron-Lacroix.
Thank you.
say, I can understand why there are those who are uncertain that the young Ludwig van Beethoven wrote that sonata in B-flat major for flute and piano, and it would be impossible to imagine a finer performance than the, the one that you've just heard, Jean-Pierre Rampal flute, Robert Veyron Lacroix piano, but the jury is out. No two ways about it. Enjoyable listening, though. I won't argue that point. And now we get to the sonata that moi, whose little gray cells aren't as reliable as they once were, completely forgot about when I did that previous broadcast. The Horn Sonata, Opus 17, which Beethoven composed in 1800 for the legendary natural horn player, that's the only one they had in those days, a real virtuoso, Giovanni Punto. The sonata was premiered with Punto as the soloist and Beethoven as the pianist in Vienna on April 18, 1800. This performance features the virtuosity of the greatest French horn player of the 20th century. I speak, of course, of the extraordinary Dennis Brain. He is partnered by the marvelous pianist Dennis Matthews in this recording of the Beethoven Horn Sonata, Opus 17, which was recorded in the number three studio at the Abbey Road Studios in London, England, on February 21st, 1944. <laughs> Thank you. 
recording made in the Number 3 studio at the Abbey Road Studios in London, England on February 21st, 1944. Dennis Brain, the greatest French horn player of the 20th century, partnered by the marvelous pianist Dennis Matthews in Ludwig van Beethoven's Sonata for Horn and Piano in F Major, Opus 17. Unlike many geniuses, Ludwig van Beethoven was a practical man who had his feet on the ground. When the Horn Sonata was published, it was published as Sonate pour le forte piano avec un corps ou violoncelle. In other words, he authorized that it be played on the cello rather than the horn. I understand that versions for violin and flute also were made, but whether Beethoven himself made those, I do not know, and I've never seen a recording of a version for violin or flute. However, occasionally the cello sonata version is played. One great cellist who played it was Pablo Casals. There is a commercial recording of it on the Phillips label that was made in the Beethoven house in Bonn. I have to say, it's not one of Casals's best recordings. The performance that he gave in Prague on July 11, 1958, at the Casals Festival in Prague that year, with Mieczysław Horzowski as the pianist, who also partnered him in the recording made in the Beethoven House in Bonn. This recording is much better.
alternate version for cello and piano that Ludwig van Beethoven prepared and published of his Sonata in F Major for Piano and Horn, Opus 17. In that exquisite performance, which was recorded in recital in the Église Saint-Pierre in Prade, France, on July 11, 1958, you heard Pablo Casal's cello, partnered by his lifelong friend Mieczysław Horzhovsky at the piano. Now we must confront Beethoven's Opus 41 and Opus 42. In 183, Beethoven discovered that one of his publishers, Artaria, without telling him in advance or inviting him to participate in the process and thus make money, issued arrangements of the Serenades Opus 25 and Opus 8 for melody instruments. Opus 41 is a version of the Serenade for Flute, Violin, and Viola, Opus 25, which Beethoven wrote about 1795-96 and but did not publish until 1802. In 1803, Artaria put out a version for piano and flute. It was probably made by a musician named Franz Zaver Kleinheinz, but we can't be 100% certain. In any event, Beethoven, as the cliche goes, hit the ceiling. He sat down and made his own revised versions. As he wrote to the publishers Hofmeister and Kühnel in Leipzig on September 22, 1803, the transcriptions of Opus 41 and 42 are not mine, but I have revised them and sometimes Improve them. Here are Jean-Pierre Rompal flute with Robert Véron Lacroix at the piano playing Beethoven's official revised version of the unauthorized transcription for flute and piano of the serenade in D for flute, violin, and viola, Opus 42. This was published as Opus 41.
Ludwig van Beethoven, The Serenade for Flute and Piano, Opus 41, Beethoven's Response to the Unauthorized Transcription of the Serenade for Flute, Violin, and Viola, Opus 25, that Artaria had published without his knowledge participation or permission. As Beethoven said to the publishers to whom he sent the work, he revised and improved the version that Artaria had commissioned. Now, Opus 42, same chapter, different verse. Artaria published an unauthorized transcription for viola and piano of the Serenade in D Major, Opus 8, by Ludwig van Beethoven. Once again, Beethoven was not a happy camper, and he revised and improved what Artaria had published, sent it off to Hofmeister and Kühnel in Leipzig, which published it as the Notturno in D major, opus 42. The most famous performance of it on recording is the one that was made in 1947 by one of the greatest violists of the 20th century, William Primrose. Mr. Primrose was a lovely person. I didn't know him personally, but I corresponded with him. Warm, direct, no holds barred, and just flat-out delightful. It's a very good way of describing his playing. Primrose, when he performed the Beethoven Noturno in D major, Opus 42, reworked the arrangement. He shifted some of the material for the piano to the viola, and he later published this edition, dedicating it with affection and esteem to his older colleague, and mentor, the English violist Lionel Turtis. Here is William Primrose with David Steimer at the piano in the Primrose version of Ludwig van Beethoven's Notturno in D major, opus 42, for violin and piano. Thank you. 
Ludwig van Beethoven, the Notturno in D major, opus 42, the unauthorized transcription that Artaria published of the Serenade in D, opus 8, as revised and improved by Beethoven himself and sent to Hofmeister and Kuhnel in Leipzig for publication for Beethoven's benefit. In that performance, which is a revised text by the great violist William Primrose, William Primrose is the violist, David Steimer is the pianist. The recording was made in 1947. When Ludwig van Beethoven paid a visit to Prague in 1807, he came in contact with the Glams Gallas family, which were amongst the foremost musical Mycenaeuses in the city. And in that household, Beethoven met the then 18-year-old Josefina Clary Aldringen, who the following year married Count Christoph Glamsgallus. Beethoven obviously was smitten by the young lady. Amongst other things, he dedicated his concert aria A Perfido, Opus 65, to her. However, she also was a talented mandolin player, and he wrote a group of mandolin pieces for her. Now, these were only discovered in the late 19th century and early 20th century. They were published very late. They're all Verka Ona Opus pieces. There are four of them. The Andante con Variazione in D major, Verka Ona Opus 44b for the mandolin and harpsichord, the Sonatina in C major, Verka Ona Opus 44a, the Sonatina in C minor, Verka Ona Opus 43a, and the Adagio Manantropo in E flat major, Verka Ona Opus 43b, Pour la Belle J, par LVB. In this performance, Raffaele La Ragione plays a four-string Brescian mandolin that is a replica of a Carlo Bergonzi late 18th century Cremona instrument now in the Musico Nazionale degli Strumenti Musicali in Rome. Got strings, of course. He is accompanied by Marco Crosetto, 
playing a replica of a forte piano by Anton Walter, made in 1792, four pieces for mandolin and keyboard by Ludwig van Beethoven.
Four Compositions for Mandolin and Keyboard by Ludwig van Beethoven. First, the Andante con Variazioni in D major, Verca Ona Opus 44b. Then the Sonatina in C major, Verca Ona Opus 44a. Then the Sonatina in C minor, Verca Ona Opus 43a. And finally, the Adagio Manon Troppo in E flat major, Verca Ona Opus 43b. The Brescian mandolin, the kind of instrument that Beethoven had in mind when he composed these pieces, was played by Raffaele La Ragione. He was accompanied at a replica of a 1792 Anton Walter forte piano by Marco Crosetto. As I observed earlier, Ludwig van Beethoven was, in addition to being a genius, a chap who looked at the bottom line. And he knew that he could not rely solely on private patronage for his income. So, yes, he wrote for publishers. He eventually followed up on something Haydn did, namely providing harmonizations for, if you will, folk tunes and the like. He wrote to Haydn's publisher, Thompson of Edinburgh in Scotland, on February 21st, 1818. I am willing to compose for you 12 themes with variations against a hundred ducats in cash. Well, ultimately, Beethoven put together two sets of such pieces for flute and piano. There's one additional one for an accompaniment of piano, violin, and cello, the ensemble that I used. But we're going to focus today on the ones for flute and piano. The first of these is a set of six that was published as his Opus 105. The first is a Welsh air entitled The Cottage Maid. Then comes a setting in C minor, simply a Scottish air. Number three in C major is an Austrian air entitled A Schüssel und a Reindel ist all mein Kugelgeschirr. The fourth, an Irish air entitled The Last Rose. The fifth, in E-flat, like the fourth, also an Irish air. And the final one, number six in D, is also an Irish air. What that 
those ears are not specified. Once again, the flutist is Jean-Pierre Rambal, the pianist Robert Véron-Lacroix. Thank you. 
sets of variations on local popular tunes from Wales, Scotland, Austria, and Ireland. Written by Ludwig van Beethoven in 1818 for the publisher Thompson of Edinburgh, Scotland. There's a second set, Opus 107, similar, Tyrolean airs, Scottish airs, a Russian air, Irish air, Welsh air, Scottish. That's the Opus 107. So, here is that Opus 107. Once again, Jean-Pierre Rampal flute, Robert Véron Lacroix, piano.
Ludwig van Beethoven. Ten sets of variations on airs, if you will, folk airs, from Scotland, from the Tyrol, Russia, Ireland, and Wales. Robert Véron Aqua was the pianist partnering the great Jean-Pierre Rampal flutist. All right, it's not profound music. It wasn't intended to be. After all, Beethoven wrote it because the fee was worthy remuneration, and he also understood the audience for which it was intended. I want again to thank my treasured friend, Al Lisitsky, for gently tugging on my leash and pointing out that when I did the program with all the music for cello and piano and all the music for violin and piano, that Beethoven did, in fact, write music for other melody instruments and piano. And it has been my pleasure to present them to you on this installment of Beethoven on Friday. My name is Terry Noel Tao, and I'd like to remind you that these internet broadcasts are made possible by the support and encouragement of the Foundation for the Revival of Classical Culture, a not-for-profit entity in the state of Connecticut. The Foundation for the Revival of Classical Culture enjoys full Section 501c3 status, which means that any contribution that you might like to make to the Foundation for the support of its various activities, including these Internet broadcasts, is tax-deductible to the fullest extent that the law permits. If you want to make a contribution, please go to the Foundation's main webpage at www.ffrcc.org and scroll to the bottom of the page. You'll find a tablet that says Donate on it. Click on the tablet. You will then be provided with all of the information and guidance that you will need to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Foundation for the Revival of Classical Culture. Thank you very much.